one time there was a band leader called Buddy Johnson who had this yellow convertible car with a leopard interior. And he actually had a telephone in the car, and we were so fascinated because it was the top was down, and most people on the phone, on the street didn't have a phone, and we couldn't believe he had this phone in his car, and we were trying to figure out how did it work in the car. In the 1940s, Mavis Evans lived near a hub of activity on 6th Street in the West End. Hear her story in our ninth installment of the West End Stories Project. I'm Key, manager of the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library's West End Branch. Thanks for listening. father was a slave. I don't know if I mentioned that to you. Mm-mm. Yeah, he was a slave in Columbus, Georgia, and he was 22 years older than my grandmother. And they had 15 children, and my mom was the baby. She went to college in Mississippi, and then, which was very common then, met a guy, got pregnant, and then she could not return home. Her dad said she couldn't come back. And so she ended up coming to Cincinnati because she had her brother here. And she lived with him. And I guess she uh, fell in love again. And then she had me. And I ended up being sickly and being out in Madisonville, Oakley. And then she met her husband. And they were married for a very long time. In that marriage, there were four kids. Uh, the brother I talk about was a junior, and I have a sister, uh, Barry, who's 10 years younger than I am, and then another sister who is 14 years younger than I am, and the baby of the group is 16 years younger than I am. So, oh, and I have a sister a year older than I am, so she'll be 80 in uh, July. But she was not raised with us. She's the one my mom got pregnant with uh, while in college, and she was raised by my grandparents. Huh, that's interesting. So your mom got pregnant, but your grandparents kept the child but said, you have to go? Basically, uh-huh. Well, she was like the, I guess you called it a child prodigy, and they had so much expectations from her that she kind of disappointed them when she got pregnant. So what happened was the reason they had my sister was because she had gotten pregnant with me and she couldn't take care. She knew she couldn't take care of two kids, so they sent my sister to them. Because she was sickly, Miss Evans spent the first years of her life at the Children's Home of Cincinnati near Madisonville before living with her mother in the West End. I lived directly across from the 6th Street side of the Cotton Club. And uh, my brother and I, who was two years younger, we used to, especially in the summer, sit on the steps and watch the entertainment inside the Cotton Club. 
one time, there was a band leader called Buddy Johnson who had this yellow convertible car with a leopard interior. And he actually had a telephone in the car, and we were so fascinated because it was the top was down, and most people on the phone, on the street didn't have a phone, and we couldn't believe he had this phone in his car, and we were trying to figure out how did it work in the car. On Sixth Street, her family lived in a two-room cold water flat. Um, when we we lived on the first floor, and you had to walk in the hall, and you pass a set of steps, and our residence was behind the steps, which meant it was on the alley to the back of the yard. And it was only two rooms, and it was my mother, my stepfather, my brother, and uh, the arrangement was the living room was their bedroom, and the kitchen was our bedroom. And we had, like, bunk beds. Well, first we had what they call a divan, I don't know, which now they call a futon, but then it was called a divan, and we slept on the divan, and then we got bunk beds. We didn't have um, a bathtub. We only had a toilet, and we didn't have hot water. We had cold water. So we took our baths in what was called a number two tin tub, uh, my brother and I did, which meant the water had to be heated, poured in, and then cold water added, and you'd hurry up before the water got too cold to sit in it. And uh, the kitchen was, like I said, where we slept. My brother and I slept, and my mother and her husband slept in the living room. The people in our building were very concerned about us because I think we were the youngest Kids. I know we were the youngest kids in the building because uh, the lady that watched, looked out for us the most was uh, a lady named Mrs. Harris. She and her husband, or her husband worked, she didn't. And she had a great-grandson that we played with. And then the other people in our building were the Edmondsons, and it was like three adult uh, people that lived with their mother. And how... What amazes me now is how all these people slept in these two rooms, because all the apartments were two rooms except the very top floor. As a child, Miss Evans and her brother were fascinated by the drag kings and queens who frequented a place called the Cordelia Hotel near their home. The lady, the family on the other floor had the most rooms. They had two, maybe three rooms. And one of those children, they were adults, was one of the people that went to that Cordelia Hotel. And my brother and I, when she was very friendly, or I'm assuming it was a she, she had uh, all these really wonderful smelling colognes and perfumes that she wore, but she had on men's clothing. And we were just so confused. We'd start looking at her feet and go all the way up. And, you know, everything was male-looking till you got to her hair. And it was a woman's hairstyle. It was long and curls and, and uh, channel makeup, a lot of it. And we kept it, and we would try to compare notes. Did you see she had on some men's shoes? 
up, but she got her lipstick. <laughs> and we just we were just confused, but she very often went to that Cordelia Hotel, and we're not really sure as little kids what was going on there because you didn't see too many people going in and out as you would think. But like I said, it really wasn't a hotel. I think somebody was just renting out rooms or something. There was also a bar near her home called the Chili Parlor that became a bit of a crime scene after the 1952 presidential election. The Chili Parlor, um, <laughs> it was an area where all the men would congregate after they get off work. And knowing men, after a couple of drinks, they get in little arguments about politics, women. <laughs> Uh, different events that were going on at the time, and we were all fascinated by the paddy wagon that would come and take these drunk people to jail, and then you'd see them the next morning. But there was loud music and laughter, and I I can remember it so well because it scared me for a long time. It was the election of Adley, I mean the... uh, yeah, Adley Stevenson and Dwight David Eisenhower, right? So two of the men were had taken bets on who was going to win that election. Well, of course, Eisenhower won the election, and the man, the loser, uh, took and beat that man with a baseball bat and killed him. Mm. And we knew him very, very well because... I played with his daughter all the time, and I just couldn't understand why that had to happen over an election. You know, I I wasn't sure what an election was. I knew what running for the president was, and uh, because he lost, he killed the man. And I thought, oh, he went to prison like 25 or 30 years. During our conversation, she told me about a bakery, a hardware store, a coal yard, a liquor store, pharmacies, restaurants, a Chinese laundry, and more, all within walking distance of their building. Uh, It was a watermelon stand, uh, Dave's watermelon stand, and they sold slices of watermelon. And it sat in a glass case with ice, and if you got... Under that, as little kids we could, the water coming out of the little tube, we would drink it because it tastes like watermelon. (laughs) And then um, not only that, just a couple of doors down was a confectionery store called Size. And then there was a place that was called, it was called the Racehorse Joint. But it was gambling in there. And I think maybe some other things were going on now that, you know, as an adult, I'm sure. But you could place bets and all of that in there. So if something was going on all the time in that one block. Because after those little businesses, after that it was all residential, going all the way down the street. From that Mound Street area on 6th Street, all the way down to Cutter. There were a lot of people there, a lot of kids. We played in the streets all the time. And because 
there was such little traffic because nobody had cars, we could play in the street. And then we knew that when the smokestack stopped blowing smoke out of the Hewitt Pole uh, brewery where they had the beer, made it or manufactured it, there, uh, when that went out, the smoke stopped coming out, then we knew to get out of the street because cars would start coming, you know, down. We had a lot of one-way streets down in that area, too. So they had to come up one street and come over and come down 6th Street if they were going to the west side of town. As kids, we had a lot of freedom, and we can pretty much go wherever we wanted because wherever we went, Somebody knew who we were, and it wasn't a matter of uh, thinking we were going to get away with anything not being where we should have been or being at home because it was a small community, and you knew just about everybody, and they kind of watched out for you, and if you did something, your mother knew it before you got home, and you were in some serious trouble, which usually meant staying in the house for a week, which could be pretty boring unless you were a big-time reader. They also visited attractions like Crosley Field and Union Terminal. Everywhere we went, we walked. We would go walk down to the Crosley Field um, ballpark, the old Crosley Field. We'd walk to what was the Union Terminal, which we really liked because there was a radio program broadcast from the air when the trains were really active at that time, and it was a program called Arriving or Leaving. And the host or MC would ask different people in the station, are you arriving or are you leaving? And then he'd ask the reason they were arriving or leaving and how long they would be gone and that was kind of interesting. Of course, we could only observe. We couldn't comment because we weren't going anywhere or coming from anywhere. And we would walk the whole terminal and just entertain ourselves with the little different booths and things they had and the people and the children and uh, all. And then we'd play outside because it was a big, long, grassy area, and you could just play there all day. And then we could look down into this near the fountain. There was a long fountain, and you could see the trains in the bottom, and we'd look down and see the trains coming in or going out. And these kids now can't walk two blocks. It just floors me. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, because on Saturdays, my brother and I would go and pay my parents' bills. We go. She had an account at Solways. She had an account at Bonds. She had one at Romans. She had one at Chilitos. Then we had to go all the way over to Ninth uh, and Central to the bank to deposit money in the bank. We had to go to the telephone company, the gas and electric company, and we were little kids and paying all these bills. And we come on back and go outside and play. But you tell these kids, go around the corner to the store. Oh, that's too far, Mom. Oh, I can't. I don't want to walk. Can I take my bike? No, walk. <laughs> you haven't told me about your elementary school yet. Sherman, yes. 
fun little school. I mean, little in terms of the population, classroom sizes. And I was t- naming off the kids I remembered to my daughter. She said, Mom, how can you remember those kids? I said, I don't know. Because we went and we started at kindergarten and went all the way through till they closed the school. And I said, I can remember all my teachers' names. I can remember the principal's names. And, but the one thing that perplexed me was how the school got its name. You know, it never had like a Jesse D. Porter or any of the other schools around there. It just had Sherman. That was it. And then the gentleman at the library researched it for me and found out and sent me an email, which I was so grateful for. Uh, but Sherman was a small school, and all the kids that came to kindergarten together were in the same class until they closed the school. It was from kindergarten to sixth grade. Well, when I was in fifth grade is when they closed it. Then I had to spend one year at Stowe School, which I did not like. I didn't like that school. It was big because it had originally been a school from kindergarten to kindergarten to eighth grade. And then they made kindergarten to sixth grade when they closed out Sherman. Once I went into junior high school, I had to go to a school called Porter Junior High, which was down, I think, at Clark and Cutter. But I only stayed there a year when we moved from there to O'Brienville, which uh, going from that type of community where you knew everybody and everybody knew you to an area where the people didn't seem as friendly or as concerned or helpful, Mm-hmm. As they did uh, where we lived in the West End, it was uh, it was a like a culture shock almost for us. As an adult, she got married and moved to Germany for a time when her husband, a member of the armed forces, was stationed there. But when she returned, the West End had changed. In '65, I lived in Germany. To '68. And the interstate didn't exist when I came back. And my stepfather brought me over Interstate uh, 75 from the airport. I just I just went into shock because I couldn't believe. The only thing I could see, and it's still a vivid picture in my mind, is Stowe School and the Udipole stack. Everything else. Thank you so much for listening to this installment of the West End Stories Project. The West End Stories Project is brought to you by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library and is co-produced by your host, Key, and our grants librarian, Kent Mulcahy. If you like what you've heard, listen and subscribe to the West End Stories Project wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and help us get discovered by leaving a review. Thank you.